News Talk 1110-993 WBT. Want to welcome to the program the Senior Vice President at the John Locke Foundation, Becky Gray. Hello, Becky. How are you? Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you, Pete. Yeah. So um, I have uh, every Tuesday I speak with Tim Moore, the Speaker of the House. We have him on. And um, this is maybe my fault. I forgot to ask him. We just ran out of time about the progress of the budget talks. And then I see the very next morning they're like, hey, we got some uh, budget agreement. Now, I'm not taking it personally. <laughs> Actually, I think you should take credit for it. <laughs> so, all right, so what happened and where are we with the budget talk? And why is this uh, this budget agreement, rather, and why is this uh, the big news of the week, I think? Well, the big news of the week is because we've been waiting for months for this. Um, Pete, our fiscal year ended on June 30th. Now, not to get alarmed about it, we do have a provision in law that if we don't have a budget in place, we just revert to the current year spending. So no need to panic about government shutting down. But um, and, and we are one of two states in the country that has not gotten their budget for the next year. The other one is Michigan. And the Republican General Assembly has sent a budget to the Democratic governor in Michigan. So we really are an outlier here on the delay in the budget. Now, I like to think about the reason why we're doing that is because we've got so much money with the COVID relief money coming in from the federal government with savings reserves that have been built up because of the governor vetoing every budget since he's been the governor that, you know, this General Assembly wants to make sure that every dollar is spent responsibly and that we really have a grip on all, where all of that money's going. So this has been a very long process, and we're not there yet. Well, you know, what's happened this week is the General Assembly has reached an agreement. Senator Berger and Speaker Moore reached an agreement, I think it was Wednesday morning, on what they believe is the consensus between the House and Senate versions little bit different than we've seen in past years. They are sending that over to the governor to have some conversations about where there might be trip-ups for him in it to see if they can work those differences out before they send it to him for a, what we hope is not, but may very well be a veto. So a little bit different process. That's where we are right now. The um, As I understand it, the talks within the governor's office and then the talks between Senator Berger and Speaker Moore will begin with the governor to work those things out. I, I don't know, Pete, but I'm guessing that the governor will keep this for, for several days, maybe a, a week, maybe even longer, to go through everything to check and see, you know, what, what his position is on the what the General Assembly has sent over. Then it comes back to the General Assembly for an up or down vote in both the House and the Senate. We'll be very interested to see what that vote looks like if there are Democrats who vote for the budget. And we'll know at that point kind of what some of those conversations between the governor and the Democratic caucus and the General Assembly have been. And then once it passes the General Assembly, officially passes the General Assembly with recorded votes on it, so we'll know where everybody stands, then it goes over to the governor for his consideration and whether or not he has three choices. He can sign it. He can veto it. If he does nothing, it automatically becomes law within 10 days. So what's going to happen this year? I don't know. As I mentioned earlier, Governor Cooper has vetoed every single budget that the Republicans have sent over to him since he's been the governor. So if he signs this one, it will be the first one in his governorship halfway into his second term 
that he actually signs a budget. So that's where we are with this, and it's been a long process. I think in the end, Pete, that everything I've seen in this budget, and of course, you know, there's, there's, you can always nitpick things and find something that you don't like. But I think overall, this is probably one of the strongest, most fiscally responsible budgets I've seen since I've been monitoring these things for, gee, you know, close to 20 years. Yeah. So uh, I thought that was a, it's an important point. Uh, people have probably heard of a pocket veto. We do not have a pocket veto in North Carolina. We have a pocket approval. So he, it's a way that a governor can let something become law without putting his name on it. And um, that might be something that we actually see him do on this. I'm not sure. Um, I think a lot of it, people are trying to kind of, you know, make predictions based on what I think is going to be what they believe Cooper is going to do after he's governor. Does he want to make a run for another office? And if he does, what is he going to be touting? What is he going to be trying to hang his hat on? And uh, aside from, you know, I was the governor during COVID, not really sure what accomplishments he has uh, to run on for a higher office for a different or a different office. People, I think we're talking about U.S. Senate. I've also heard that he's not interested in running for another office. He's just want uh, he just wants to be, you know, Jim Hunt 2.0 and sort of be a Democratic Party kingmaker. So I don't know. But um, if he wants to, I guess he can try to uh, negotiate for this, what, Leandro funding uh, for that spending level for education, or if he wants to try to block it again for Medicaid expansion. I guess those are the options. Right. Yeah. He's also mentioned um, carbon emission reduction. I think he wants 70% carbon emission reduction. In, that's an energy portfolio question. Um, he's also mentioned teacher pay increases in both the Senate version and the House version. There are pretty generous raises for teachers. There's also raises for state employees. There's bonuses. There's some other things. So the things that we've heard the governor say, hey, this is important to me, um, those things are in there except for, you know, he wants across the board add, throw about 600,000 able-bodied, childless, working-age adults onto a Medicaid program that is already massive and struggling to be able to provide the services to the folks who need it. You know, we, we already have 20% of our population is on Medicaid, Pete. T- today, I mean, the current numbers, over 20% of North Carolinians are on Medicaid. Over half the babies born in North Carolina are born under Medicaid. So you already have a tremendous program, very large, very cumbersome. Um, there have been all kinds of things over the, really, for, for years, even, you know, when Pat McCory inherited some of the problems with Medicaid and contracts and, you know, just not knowing what was going on, a lot of abuse of the funds, a lot of waste of the funds. So what the General Assembly has tried to do is to, to get a very massive, ill-managed, ill-run program under control so that it's more fiscally responsible. And we're, we're ensuring that the people that do need those services are getting the quality of care that they need and deserve, and the costs are part of it because the taxpayers are picking up the tab for this. So I think the, the governor has finally gotten the message, I, I think, that this General Assembly has no interest in expanding this Medicaid program by, again, another 600000 or more additional able-bodied, childless, working-age adults. So where the governor before has really drawn that line in the sand about Medicaid expansion, the General Assembly has said no and pretty consistently said no. 
So I don't know that that's as big of a hump as it has been in the past. But that that's you're absolutely right. Yeah. That's one of the things that the governor has mentioned. Well, we shall see. Becky Gray from the uh, John Locke Foundation, senior vice president over there. You can read uh, her and the organization's work at carolinajournal.com. I will say Dallas Woodhouse has been doing a ton of stuff on the judiciary that's really important. uh, Folks should go check out. Yeah, Very interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Becky, thanks so much. We'll talk with you next Friday. Thanks. Great to be with you. Have a great weekend. Take care.